Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It is so good to be with you. How are you? I hope that you're well, wherever you are. I hope you're nodding your head as you're driving, as you're walking, as you're ignoring, you know, your messy kitchen or whatever it is you're doing. I actually had someone message me saying, hey, um, (laughs) you accompany me every single time I unpack my dishwasher. And I was like, well, that's really lovely. I hate unpacking the dishwasher. So I'm really glad that, you know, you're listening to the podcast while you're doing that. I have this habit of leaving the knives and forks, like leaving the cutlery in the little tray. I hate putting them away. (laughs) My husband is like, Laura, it's really annoying when you do that. But anyway, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope that you are, you know, doing something productive, having a lovely time. Today, I am joined by someone really, really special. And I'm really stoked that I got to have this conversation with Natalie Walton. If you are a lover of interiors, styling, any of those things, you're going to love this conversation. And you probably already know Natalie Walton, but if you don't, you're welcome. You're going to love her. Natalie Walton is an interior designer, stylist, and author who helps people connect to ideas on how to live their best lives, starting in their most personal space, the home. She is such a boss. Like talking with her, I realized, oh my goodness, she has four kids. She, she runs multiple businesses. She writes books. She styles. She does courses. She really is such an inspiration. So if you are a creative, if you are wanting to one day maybe release your own book, or if you just want to be inspired by someone who has done this journey for a long time and has this thing I love about Natalie is she has this steadiness to her. I don't know if that's a word, but she's just calm. And you know how as business owners, we can have this frenetic energy. We can be fast moving and we can want to do new things all the time. She has this kind of cool mix of being like a go-getter and getting the stuff done and having these brilliant ideas, but also having this slow pace that I really, really admire. So, If you are a creative, wherever you're at in your business, you're going to love this conversation. I know you're going to be inspired. So let's dive into my wonderful chat with Natalie Walton. Well, Natalie, it is so good to be catching up with you and chatting with you today. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I feel like we've been buddies on Instagram for a while, so it's so lovely to see your face and to be talking with you today. Tell us about your business. Tell us about your story. How did you start this adventure that you are on? Well, (laughs) how long have we got? Uh, (laughs) Look, it's it's kind of one of the things I find as I get older um, is that when you look back on your your life and your career, it sort of all makes sense. But I remember very much when I was starting out having no sense of what I wanted to do with my life and knowing that I felt creative 
And also I did have like an entrepreneurial spirit, but I didn't know how to channel those things. And when I was kind of finishing school and even finishing university, it was a very, very different world. You know, the internet had only really just started. That dates me, but, it, you know, that's the reality. <laughs> um, and, you know, like we were definitely doing emails and, you know, basic phones were around, but it was a very different world. And so in terms of what we knew was possible and how you could work was a very different kind of scenario. So I loved writing. I loved English. And so I basically did a BA in English literature and then I went on to do my master's in journalism. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess, you know, I like writing. I guess I'll become a journalist. That was the natural kind of path to go down. And I didn't want to be freelance at that point because that seemed way too scary. Both my parents were sort of more traditional in terms of like working for other people. And um, so, it, yeah, I didn't even have that kind of mindset. So for a long time, I just kind of went down that path of working for other people, nine to five kind of jobs and just doing so many different things. So even back then, like I remember I was doing finance journalism at one point and we had one of the very first video streaming um, news programs on finance and I was presenting that. And now when I look back, it makes sense to sort of the fact that I'm doing all video and for my Instagram or podcasts, you know, it's so interconnected. It completely makes sense that I'm doing it because I did those skills, you know, 20 years ago, but it's sort of like in a yeah. modern context. So when I kind of look back, it kind of makes sense, the sort of the things that I've done. And I actually did um, documentary as my major project at university as well. So again, you know, the video and the the kind of content creation, it was it's always been there. I've always loved creating content and kind of exploring ideas and how to share those ideas. And even a lot, like I, I teach courses now, and so much of that is really based on my journalism, which is, you know, researching something, presenting ideas in a digestible way, um, you know, all of these kind of things kind of really makes sense when I now look back. But I guess the big tipping point for me was I worked at Real Living Magazine for five years and I was the deputy editor there. And I had at that point two young children and I had a feeling that I, it was time to go freelance. I had more and more confidence. I saw how people could do it. And basically my boss, the editor, Deborah Bibby at the time said, you know, she was encouraging me to do it. And she said, you know, we can give you work. So I was styling at that point as well. And so it was a very safe option to go freelance because I had basically a client already, you know, yeah. that they were going to give me consistent work. And that's kind of what I did. And that was my start to going into business for myself as such. But it was, I think there's a big difference between when you're freelancing, you know, and you're kind of putting your services out there to then getting to that point where you're actually creating something for yourself and that kind of developed later but um that was a big step that was a big initial step though just going freelance and yeah. then over the years it slowly developed uh, I worked with photographer Chris Warns a lot and we would go and source homes for magazines because they really struggled to find homes and so we set up like a little business doing that and we would I would find them we would go and photograph them. I would style them. I would write the feature. He would photograph them and we sold them as a package. We got an Italian um, agent who sold our features around the world. And so I did that in conjunction with my freelance work. So that kind of started to happen. 
And then I guess the big That's then, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, as I was supposed to say, how long have you got? So then, <laughs> but then, you know, I think, again, this is one of the things I sort of thought would be worthwhile sharing with your listeners is that the world changes and life changes and technology changes and you always have to adapt. And so the yeah. magazine world started to change and Instagram came along. And so it didn't become such a hard thing for magazines to find homes. So we had to adapt in terms of what we were doing. And we kind of took a foot off that a little bit. And I had always wanted to create a book. So we traveled the world to create my first book, which is called This Is Home. And that was an incredible experience. And that in many ways pushed me to realize I mean, I put my heart and soul into that book. Like it, it almost killed me. And I, up until that point, I had, I think, one portrait of myself, which had been taken years and years ago for, you know, contributor profiles that I would have in magazines. And yeah. when, after creating that book, I realized, you know, I put so much blood, sweat and tears into this book. I've actually got to put myself out there to, to publicize it because you know, I've put so much effort into it. I can't just let it die out there. And I realized, you know, I've got to be more upfront. And that was really, really hard at first because, and I know so many people struggle with this, but I just kind of had to say to myself, Natalie, you just got to get over yourself. <laughs> You're worried about this more than anybody <laughs> else is worried about this. And yeah. And so I kind of started to, for want of a better word, because I'm really not a huge fan of the word brand, but, you know, I sort of thought I've got to kind of become more like that. I've got to become yes. some, somewhat, you know, I've got to be known because otherwise, you know, people will be attracted to the book for that reason and it will help, you know, sell it and get it out there. So that was a huge step. And then I guess the, the other big step, which, well, there's two more that I will share with you. Um, one was I had my, um, I was pregnant with my fourth child and we were living on a property in, on the Central Coast, just north of Sydney. And I had this itch to start a homewares brand because I would go to all these shoots and style them. And it always amazed me that I would, you know, it's really nice in the kitchen to put a beautiful tea towel on the bench top, you know, alongside some plates or whatever. And people, I'd ask them, you know, do you have your tea towels? And they just had these crummy looking things. And I thought like, you know, it would be great to create like in a collection because it would be things I would take to people's homes. Like I'd always take a nice vase, a nice tea towel, a nice, nice towel to hang in the bathroom. And there's a bunch of different things and props I would always take with me to every shoot. And I thought I would like to create a collection of these sort of styling props that I always take along that every home should have. And that was the birth of Imprint House. And um, so I launched that. It was literally in hospital about to give birth and approving website design and all of that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> and we did the the launch shoot. I think I was 37 weeks pregnant and we had shot the launch collection oh in this house, gosh. walking up and down the stairs with my big belly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that didn't <laughs> me too. But anyway, um, but that was, yeah. So that was, I guess, again, like very much about creating a business and creating a, a sort of curating a product range and getting that out there and getting publicity and marketing and all of those things. And then I guess the last piece in the puzzle in terms of my business is 
um, when I was still living on that same property, I had this other itch. It, you might see a pattern starting to emerge, these itches that I feel like <laughs> I've got to do something. And I had learned a lot over my styling career. And as I said, at that point, I wasn't doing so many house shoots anymore. Um, you know, that whole business had changed and I had four children by that point. So it was getting harder and harder to kind of go on them all the time. And, but I thought, you know, I've learned so much and so many people love styling and there are so many tips and tricks and people got their own businesses. And I thought I'd love to hold a workshop because we had this little building on the property and I thought it'd be such a great spot to hold a workshop. And, um, you know, we're 90 minutes north of Sydney and I was worried like, oh, will people drive there or not? You know, is it too far? And I thought, I just got to try. I, I read this book by Paul Arden and it's just amazing. I can give you the link to it afterwards. And I just, I read this book about once a year because it's just so brilliant. And he oh, said, um, give away everything you know and more will come back to you. And to be honest, up until that point, I had probably had a bit of a, um, not abundance mindset. I can't think of what the opposite one of that scarcity mindset. So scarcity. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I would always think like, I've learned all these things and like, I've got to keep all my secrets to myself, you know, like it's sort of that kind of mindset of like, it's really like, it's taken me so long to learn all these things, whether it's like my career in journalism or whether my, it's my styling or whatever, you know, I've taken so, it's been so hard to learn all these things and I've had to go through so many setbacks and so on. And I'd always think like, I've just got to, you know, this is like my secret weapon in a way, you know, like I know all this stuff and it gives me maybe a competitive advantage or whatever it is. I don't know, like not quite that cold card, yeah. but you know, I think in some form, a version of that. And, um, so when I read this thing about give everything away, you know, and more will come back to you, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, how could, you know, but it just kept sitting with me. And I'm like, what? Like, it just didn't make sense. And I thought, I don't know. I just wanted to try this workshop. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I give away everything I know, like everything that I've learned about styling, maybe I give it away. So I put it out there on Instagram and within 24 hours, I, I look, it wasn't a massive, I could only have about 10 people, but within 10, 24 hours, it sold out. And I was like, wow. wow, you know, like I was not expecting that at all. And even more so, I was getting DMs from people in like Mexico and Switzerland saying, I would love to come to this. Can you do an online version? And I thought, oh, I guess I should do an online version. And, and so that kind of became... <laughs> the birth of the courses that I teach. So that was the styling masterclass. And since then, I now do a design and decoration masterclass. And there are other little ones simmering in my head in the background as well. But um, yeah, it was it was such an amazing lesson. And he was right. Like I gave everything away and more came back to me than I ever, ever expected. That was probably about five years ago now. And I've taught thousands of students around the wow. world. And it's been such a rewarding experience. So I, I don't know. Does that answer your question? That is, no, I feel like we could end the podcast right here and be like, cool, Natalie Walton, everybody. <laughs> that is, okay, firstly, firstly, I can't believe you have four kids and you manage to do all this, like all of these things. I think that is just incredible and, and you clearly have a really big capacity and an ability to go, like it's rare that you find people who have the creativity and the ideas who can also execute 
on those ideas. And I love that you can, you manage both of these things. I think that's such a, an incredible gift that you have. But, but secondly, what I love about your journey, Natalie, is that you have reiterated over the years, you've gone, okay, this isn't working anymore. And, and that's okay. And, and I think sometimes we, we feel like it's kind of like this old school thinking of, you know, we'll go to uni, we'll get our career, we'll stay in that career, then we'll retire. And I know that, you know, people our age don't think like that as much anymore. But I think sometimes, and of course, there's still remnants of that thinking of, well, I start my business, I'm going to be known for this one thing, and I cannot change. It's like they're train tracks, and I cannot deviate from this one thing that I become known for. And it can make us really afraid to commit to anything because we're like, oh, but then I don't want to be stuck serving this type of customer or, you know, being known for, in your case, like being on set, styling homes, writing the content itself. Like, I love that you've just had the courage to go, all right, well, my life, my season of life is different or what's happening in the market is different. So, so we have to adapt and change. What would you say to someone who is feeling worried about going, committing to the one thing because they don't want to feel stuck or stifled by that? Yeah, it's, I think a huge part, and I've kind of hinted at it a little bit, um, is really listening to that voice within you. And I, I think I've gotten pretty good at that. And I guess there's two, two parts to that. There's the voice within you, and I hope I don't get too woo-woo, but there's also the voice in your head. And I think that they're two separate things. So the voice within you or the whisper within you or that itch, that's like your gut instinct. And I've actually done a lot of research on this because I've got another book coming out. And it, while it's about styling and, and making a beautiful home without renovating it, it's a lot also about creativity and mindset. And these are things that I've had to also overcome and really, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, done a lot of research. And I think that there's a lot of science to back this up that what is kind of within you, that is often the right thing for you. You know, that natural instinctive, like that gut feeling that is right. But what's happening in your head, those voices of like, look what that person's doing, or you can't do that, or that's too hard, or it's really shutting that bit off, but listening to what's happening within mm. you. And I think I've gotten better over the years of sort of listening to that thing within me. And also, I think we can make things much harder than they need to be. And it's fine to try something and sort of think, you know what, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You just move on to like, just try, try it a little bit different or do something you know, something new or, or whatever. And each, if you break it down into little steps, it actually doesn't have to be that hard. So to take, for example, that workshop, if look, if nobody signed up, and my greatest fear was that it was actually going to be two or three people. So that, how awkward would that be to have <laughs> yes. two or three people going, well, welcome. So this is the workshop, just you, me, and that person sitting there. And, I thought that would be worse than like <laughs> nobody signed up and it's like, okay, well, nobody signs up, but to have two or three or to say, look, I've got a refund because I didn't get enough interest or, or whatever it is, <laughs> um, you know, but it's just sort of doing those little things one step at a time. And it's like creating a book. 
to many people, it can seem like, how on earth do you create a book? Or that seems so overwhelming. I got, I had meetings with two other publishers along my journey and both sort of said, look, you know, we like this idea, but it's not the right time in the market. Or we like this idea, but you're not on television, so we can't give you a book. Or it's kind of like a good idea, but, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I had rejections along the way and they hurt, you know, but it's like, okay. Yeah. I would let it sit for maybe a month and go, okay, I've just got to go and reach out to somebody else. I've got to keep trying. I've got to keep trying. And I guess that's one of the things that I'm pretty indefatigable in that sense. Like I just keep trying and not everything works. Not everything works the way that I want. Sometimes it works better than I want, you know, like you just don't know, but you just got to keep trying little iterations at a time and don't make it like this big, like I'm changing my career, you know, like try a little thing and one little thing after another and test the market one little thing after another. And I think that that can be, if you're having the courage, it can be a good way to, to do it into baby steps. Oh, that's such good advice. And I think it makes it less, because as creatives, everything we do is, it's personal, right? Like there's a sense of, well, this is my expression and this is how I, you know, this is how I perceive the world. And we can get very grand and be like, and I can imagine for you styling, you could be like, well, if someone doesn't like that piece that I've, or that, that what I've put together or what I've written or whatever, or your books, if, if they don't like that idea, then they don't like me. And it can be really difficult to separate the two of like your work is, is, is over here and your who you are is over here. And I think we have to be quite deliberate if we want to run a business that is specifically about our creativity. We have to be deliberate in, in separating the two without taking the guts out of the creativity, but but still giving ourselves a bit of, okay, we will come up against rejection. People will say no at times. And it can't be like an assault on our, you know, self-esteem. It, ha- it has to be, yes, we all have moments where we're like, oh, that really hurt. But it has to be, if we want to last, and I love that your approach, Natalie, has just been, well, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to reiterate. I'm going to, you know, keep developing this and and trust that voice within. I think that's such, such good advice. What do you think, like, how do you do that? Because you've, you've built this, you've built an incredible brand around you and you've got your, you've got Imprint House, you've got your books, you've got your styling masterclasses, you have all of these things do you keep things separate from you in in how you operate in your business and as a brand because you're a brand and a person at the same time how do you do that how do you negotiate that balance between the two it's funny like i don't really think of them as set like i don't look i really don't think of myself as a brand like i just don't i mean i used that word before but i right. really like you know i don't think of myself i think that there are certain aspects of my work that i put out there and share with the public and and that's just my work and you know obviously there's part of me in there but it's not me as such um I don't know if that makes sense but I create things and I create them the best that I can and I really 
want them to be beautiful. I want them to be helpful. I want to be true to kind of who I am and what I believe in and what's important to me and my life and my values. But, and I put that out there, but you know, I'm still the mom who's sitting down at the breakfast table in the morning with my children and we're having our porridge and taking the dog for yeah. a walk. And I think a big part of that as well is that I very much try to separate my work from my home life in terms of when I like switch off for the evening, I switch off for the evening. You know, like there's no, I'm kind of talking yeah. to my children and I'm on my phone at the same time. Like I'm really really conscious of of not doing those types of things on the weekends I don't work I used to be a bit of a workaholic and I would work you know weekends or like Saturday night or Sunday night or um work really crazy hours into the night and look every now and then particularly when you're creating a book you've got to do these things but I have really pulled that back I've really set very very clear boundaries I don't use Instagram on the weekends before we sort of chat started to record you know I was telling you about how over the summer I always take time off Instagram for that period so at least um, six weeks while my children are on school holidays and this time I actually didn't use my phone as well like I would have days where I had maybe used it for five minutes so that is like texting you know when you sort of think oh I wonder about such and such you know and you google something and you just use your phone yeah. all the time without even realizing how often you're using your phone. And I remember last year, there were times when, you know, when you get those notifications of how much screen time you've had that week. And sometimes it would say like, you've had three hours a day on average a day or something on your phone. I'm like, where has that time got, you know, and that's because I think partly like I would yeah. listen to podcasts, I would you know, be texting people or like searching for things on Google or obviously on Instagram as well. And, and I just thought that's just such an incredible time suck. And I just didn't want to be a slave to my phone anymore. And I really wanted to take the summer off and look, it was honestly, it's been one of the best things that I've ever done because it really gave me the opportunity to have freedom from my thoughts and just to reset and reconnect with what's most important to me. And it's really been incredibly liberating to do that. And I think, you know, again, it kind of comes back to that listening to that voice within about what feels right for you and knowing what to do. And so I think that in terms of, you know, how I juggle these two different aspects of myself is boundaries are are really important for me, boundaries with Mm. work and also just sort of, connecting to myself as well and yeah I mean I I guess it is it's just boundaries that's the main thing yeah I think that is and and that's I have a question written here of like how do you manage your time and energy as a creative business owner and I feel like you've just answered that I think the phone thing is is so tricky to navigate because when you use Instagram and and that's where you generate a lot of your work like I'm the same and I know a lot of our listeners you know, uh, caught in this thing of, well, when I post, I make sales or like if I do stories, then I know I can see my, you know, Shopify sales increase, you know, so we can get this thing of, I have to be on here. I have to be on here. And my whole thing is actually when it comes to your marketing and if Instagram is your only marketing strategy, then you do have to be on there all the time. But if you can build something that's a bit more sustainable 
building your email list, actually building other other networks and other platforms, it means that you don't feel like you're kind of stuck and and kind of a slave to Instagram or or to your phone as well. So I love that advice because your work requires you to be creative and you can't be creative from an empty place, right? Like it's really difficult to keep that creativity flowing if if you're only looking at everyone else's work or if you're only looking at other people in your industry or if you just don't even have time to just think like stand in line at a coffee shop and not look at your phone kind of thing. Like it's these little things that allow us to actually recharge and then to th- to do what we do best, which is create things. So I, I love that you've been very strategic about that. One thing I love, um, and I, I've done your styling masterclass and, and loved it. And on, one of my favorite things, and it was in one of the very early lessons, you said something, I can't remember exactly what you said, um, but you were like, you just have to, you were talking about finding your own personal style. And for me, it was like such a, it's such a kind of light bulb moment, which may sound silly, but I was like, oh my goodness, like, I don't need to have the same style as everyone else. Like I don't need my, in my home, like very practical, but in my home, I don't need to have all these bright colors and all this fun stuff that even though I love that, it's not my style. I don't need to do that just because it's on trend. And it really helped me because you you kind of gave this language to, hey, like you've got to find what what works for you. And I love that I can see how that has has been part of your business journey that you've just been quite confident to go, this is my style. This is what I love. And it's unique and it's, it, it's different. It's timeless. And I love that you've, you've just played to your strengths. What would be your biggest piece of advice to a creative person who feels the pull to do everything and to be everything to everyone, whether it's following trends, whether it's like, kind of feeling like they need to serve every single person or as basic as me saying, I thought I had to, like my home had to look trendy, you know? What would you say to someone who feels like that? Um, I think a lot of it is kind of what you were saying before is that if you are doing everything for everyone and you're kind of so focused on what's happening out there rather than what's happening within you, then you're really creating from an empty place. And I think that, mm. again, kind of coming back to me taking that time off. And so, look, not I understand not everyone can necessarily take two months off their phone over summer or six weeks off their phone over summer. But every weekend I take time off my phone. You know, in the evenings I take time off my phone. And I think having those times where you actually do, discon- you know, disconnect from technology or whatever it is and even if it's one day even if you can have one day where it's a screen-free day and you just go out and do something that you love you know go and see a movie go for a walk along the beach you know even if it's go shopping you know you want to kind of go and if you're in Sydney you want to go I don't even know if people still go to Oxford Street in Paddington but you know like if you want to do something like that and go yes. some beautiful boutiques and be inspired by the retail fit out so whatever it is you know do something um it's called having a date with yourself and it's in the book by Julia Cameron um called The Artist's Way 
And I read it years and years ago. And it's one of the ideas that always kind of struck me. And it's, you know, it's that thing about really connecting with yourself and what, like, what is it that actually excites you? And I often, I use a journal a lot and I often kind of go through an exercise of maybe once or twice a year, particularly if I'm starting to feel a little bit stuck or like, what's this all about? Like, what do I actually want to do? Like, am I doing what I really want to (laughs) do? Is um, I write down the question, what do you want to do with your life if money was no objection? So if you had like a billion dollars, what would you actually do with your life? And, And I write down the answer. And it's funny because every time I do this exercise, I think I'm going to get like this new revelation and every single time it's the same answer, (laughs) which is, and it makes me realize that I am on the path that like I'm on the right path, which is, you know, I love my home. I love creating a beautiful home and I love helping people. And like everything I do centers around that, whether it's, you know, helping going into somebody's home for a magazine and helping create their home in a beautiful way and they go wow like you make our home look amazing or whether it's teaching other people how to do that in a course or writing about it in a book or creating homewares that you know I've already edited like these are the beautiful pieces that will be timeless and look good in any space so everything that I'm doing is kind of around the central idea of I love creating in my home I feel really my home is really important to me my surrounds I'm very much a visual person and it's not I know some stylists who are really good at styling you know you they'll go and source props and they can make something look good but you go to their home and I think oh my gosh you're a stylist and you live like this like they you know it's not actually important for them in their own home whereas for me it just it actually affects me it really affects me and uh, I know that there are other people out there like that as well that you know their environment is really important to them and so you know that's how I connect with that and I really try and help other people connect with that idea so I think I might have got got off on a tangent but um no that it's you do and you do that so well and I think it's really evident that it's not just about oh like this this vase will look good here it's it's really about well how do you feel in this space that you spend most of your time in (laughs) and it should make you feel good and it should recharge you and refresh you and I love that that's your approach because it's really not from a like consumption perspective of buy all these things and they're trendy and they're fads and all this stuff it's really like this is going to be a timeless piece you're going to love this forever (laughs) and I think oh it's actually really refreshing to watch and to follow because and doing your masterclass, I found that really refreshing now one more question for you I want to talk to you about your books because I know that there are people listening who either A, like, are like, what what are the names of your books so I can get them? And B, who might be interested in actually publishing a book. So can you talk to us a little bit about that journey? I know your background was in publishing. So you kind of, I am curious about how that actually worked for you with your first book. Yeah. Well, as I touched on, um, it was... I remember actually my son, so my son is 13 at the moment. He's um, about to turn 14. And not long after he was born, again, I kind of got that whisper within that like I really wanted to create a book. As I said, I did English literature at uni and for many, many years I was actually trying to write a novel. And it was making me miserable because I would get up every morning at like, like say five o'clock in the morning and try and write for like an hour before I went to work or I would work on, write on the weekends. 
And I think sometimes, sometimes I think more and more, actually, I think like maybe I will come back to the idea at one point, but I think there's also a time where you kind of feel like, you know what, I'm trying to make something happen that's just not happening. It just, for whatever reason, mm. it just wasn't happening for me to write a novel. And it it kind of devastated me in some ways because I've always loved books. I mean, one of my happiest memories at university was I went to Sydney University and was walking through Fisher Library of all the stacks. They call them the stacks. And it's like sky high kind of towers of books and just walking through these really old books and that smell of old books. And, and I just, I've always felt like books are so special because these were books that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago and people are still reading them. And it's like that person's mm. ideas are living on. And I've always loved that about books. And I, you know, they have a really special place in my heart. Like I've always revered them. And so I always wanted to create a book to feel that for it, rightly or wrongly, that, you know, something of me will live on and that my life will have had meaning. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit too deep, but that's essentially why I, I think no, I've I love it. To write a book. And like I said, so I tried to write a novel and it just wasn't happening for whatever reason. And eventually I kind of went, I'm just going to leave that alone. It's just not happening. It's not coming naturally. And anyway, so I was continued on with my journalism. And then after my son was born, I sort of thought, well, maybe it could be a book, an interiors book. Maybe it could be a book kind of combining the sort of the people that I've met or, you know, and I was playing, it was actually the first idea was about creative living. And one of the publishers said to me, nobody wants to have a book about creative spaces. You know, I mean, since then, there've been so many books published about creative spaces. So that just <laughs> goes to show that publishers don't always know what they're talking about. And um, yeah, so you've just got to, you know, keep going and, and trying. And so anyway, I, so I put one proposal together. I shot it with Chris and put it towards one publisher who sort of met me. And like I said before, like knocked me back, met another publisher, she knocked me back. And so I let that kind of sit there for a little bit for a couple of years. But I just, again, I thought, you know, I still really want to do this book. And I think this was after I'd had my third child. Um, it gets a bit, the dates and which child and which book and you know, <laughs> I remember all that. But anyway, I think it was after my third child and I was kind of in a more of a comfortable groove with motherhood and, and all of those things. And I thought Chris and I were talking about doing this book idea again. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to look at the books, like what are the books that, um, you know, have really stood the test of time. And again, this idea of about something that's timeless that lives on, and so I looked at all these books and, you know, really studied like what, you know, what is it that made them timeless? And it was about having timeless interiors. And we were sort of talking about ideas and, and this thing about, you know, we had visited all these different homes and why is it that some just feel good? You step into some homes and they have this beautiful feeling and it's not just that mm. they look nice, but they feel really genuine and authentic. And what is it? Like, what is it about that? Because we went to some homes and they were artist homes and they would just be really beautiful, but they didn't have a lot of money and they could still pull them together in a beautiful way, the way they displayed things or objects. And it was trying to distill what is it that makes a place beautiful in that way? What is it that makes a place feel like a home? Because on the other side, we would go to architect design homes and places that have been designed by interior designers. And look, I mean, I do interior design and so no discredit to them, but 
sometimes when people just give everything to the architect or everything to the interior designer and they put nothing of themselves into the space, it just, it can like, it ticks the boxes, but it doesn't have any personality. So it was really trying to distill, like, what yeah. is it about the places? Like, where is that middle ground where, you know, you can create something that's beautiful and put together, but, you know, it really reflects you and your life and what you is important to you. So we traveled around the world to find if this idea was universal as well. And that was a really important part of it is because obviously we had been to all these homes in Australia, but it was traveling and seeing, you know, do these same ideas work in England, in Italy, in the US? And I think that is why, so it, the result was this book called This is Home, The Art of Simple Living. And it was an exploration of what is it that makes a home and interviewing these different people around the world about how they had created their home and what was important to them. And it is now about four years since that book was launched and it is still in the top three on Amazon in the US for interior decorating and interior design. Like it's constantly in the top 10, you know, like it kind of fluctuates. Wow. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's five. But like the other day I looked and it was number three, you know. So it's it's a book that has taken on a life of its own. And I really believe that when you create from a genuine place and when you put your heart and soul into something, I do believe that it will find its audience because the people who are buying it know nothing about me. You know, like it is selling around the world. It actually sells better overseas than it does in Australia. And it's still, after all these years, I, I mean, I get messages that people, they buy it for their sister or for their friend, or, you know, it's one of these books that in some ways has kind of gone a little bit viral. You know, it's, it's kind of taken on its own life. And it was, like I said, it, I ended up going to Hardy Grant in Melbourne and my my fourth child, he was, I think, about six weeks old at the time. So I was still breastfeeding. And so I, I said, mom, can you come with me? And I paid for her to fly down with me. And um, we went down to Melbourne and like he was in a pushchair and I quickly breastfed him. And then she took him for a walk while I had the publisher meeting. And it was, I think though, it, you know, and they loved the idea and they were really great and kind of gave me free reign to create it. But I guess in terms of getting published, if that's something that somebody wants to do, I think it's really important to have an idea that is your own. And I think that's perhaps maybe with those earlier versions, you know, I was looking at what everyone was doing rather than exploring what was of real interest to me. And when it kind of came from that genuine mm. place of what was something that I was really interested in trying to kind of put something new out there, like it hadn't been written in that way. It hadn't been done in that way. So and obviously you've got to create a proposal and you've got to say, why would somebody buy this book? You know, why is this, why does this matter? Which is the same question if you're creating a business, you know, like why, or creating a product, you know, why should somebody buy your product or service? What makes this different from any other product or service out there? You know, a book is a product. It's a, you know, it's a thing that people buy. So yeah. the same idea applies and you've got to sort of have that differentiation in the marketplace and and you what who you are is your greatest asset and you know because what interests me is was the thread of the book and so it's the same with a business like nobody can do a business like you can do it because you've got your own take on it you've got your own set of interests mm. and I think that's really true of books or business the same principles apply yeah that is actually such a refreshing way to look at it because 
I would love to one day write a book. I have no idea what about. Um, but I, I'm like, oh, I'd love to write it about the funny, weird stuff that happens when you start a business and like my weird things that I learned of like how I actually learned to run a business at the age of 23. But like there are things where it has to be, I love that you think about it like, well, it's a business because there has to be a market for it and there has to be like a reason for someone to buy it. And so I, I love anyone listening, if you're thinking about writing or getting a book published or anything like that, it's such good advice to ha- like for how we should actually be thinking about it. It's not so much like um, I think maybe sometimes we can think it's it's more grand and and yes, that's part of the like allure of it, but I think – still keeping it quite practical. I love that that's been your approach. So Natalie, honestly, thank you so much for spending the time today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I know that you have a new book in the works. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? And also, can you tell us where people can follow you so that they can stay in the know with everything you're up to? Sure. So my third book is about to come out. So I've spoken a lot about my first one. My second book is called Still the Slow Home. And so that was very much about how we can create homes that we love that also don't have a massive impact on the world and the environment and really embracing the principles of the slow food movement, which is slow, which is sustainable, local, organic, whole. So how can we, instead of, you know, so often when we think about trying to do the right thing by the environment. I think that actually the best place to start is within our own home. And yet so often like ideas get thrown around that sort of think, yeah, but I don't want my home to look like that. You know, you still want your home to look beautiful. So how can you do it in a beautiful way? (laughs) So that is what that book is very much about is really sort of starting at home and being more sustainable, but, you know, in a way that feels right for you. And this third book that is coming out in many ways, it's like, well, how do I create a global book when we've got a global pandemic? <laughs> because the publisher wanted me to do a third yes. book. And all my books I've traveled around the world to create. And so I thought, okay, this one's going to be a little bit different. And I also had this little whisper that I felt like it was time to share the lessons that I have in my styling masterclass and share them in a book form. But obviously, I don't, it's not just going to be the, the course in a book because, you know, there is the course and, and that is a very practical hands-on. It's got exercises and all of those things. Instead, this book is um, really looking at more like creativity and the creative mindset and all the lessons that I've learned about that. You know, the struggle that people have when it comes to finding your own style and sort of not listening to those voices, but listening to the one within. So it's got sort of the practical tips of like how to make your home beautiful, but also it's got essays, which I kind of call them essays, but they're really about the mindset. And a lot of it relates to kind of in some ways, business and marketing, because, you know, you need to kind of share your ideas and put your ideas out there as well. And that's actually one of the the most powerful ways to create is to think like a professional. And um, it's called turning professional. And so I share lots of stuff in there about that as well. So that is called style, the art of creating a beautiful home, I think. <laughs> so, you know, like the subheads is like, yeah, what did we settle on for that? Um, but it's called style, and um, which is very much about styling, but also learning to how to really understand what your own personal style is, because then you can take it with you in whatever you do, which is 
very much aligned to yeah. branding in some way. Like, you know, those same kind of principles apply. So that's coming out in June. And then I've actually got a fourth book because, you know, when there's a global pandemic, why why create one book when you can create two? Um, and so <laughs> that's going to be coming out later in the year. I think it's like at this point, like scheduled for maybe October. And it is about creating a home in Byron Bay. So I have... Um, worked with a local photographer. It's going to be a little bit different to the other books and it is about the beautiful homes in this region and what makes this area special, but also how you can harness that within your own home as well. So some of the ideas from that space. So yeah, so it's going to be a big year for putting books out. Oh, and my, so I guess if people want to... Oh my goodness. (laughs) I know. Um, And so if people (laughs) want to follow along, I'm on Instagram at Natalie Walton and I have a homewares business imprint house house, and that is at imprint underscore house. So, but if you go to Natalie Walton, you'll find everything you need there. Oh, Natalie, you are a wizard. I wonder when you sleep between having four kids and running multiple businesses and writing multiple books in a year. But thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to pop all the links to your books, to your course, uh, to your masterclasses and to your Instagram inside our show notes. So if you're listening and you want to follow Natalie and be inspired by her wonderful creativity, then head on over to our show notes and you'll find all of those fun links. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us. And I'm super excited to read these books when they come yeah, out I will definitely send you a copy I'm very excited to get them out into the into the world after like I said all those blood sweat and tears yet again <laughs> <laughs> but no babies this time so that's that's a win that's done that's done <laughs> Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play, my friends. I hope that you have felt inspired by Natalie's story, by her journey. And I'm going to link all of those resources and references she spoke about in this episode. I'm going to link those in the show notes. So make sure you follow Natalie on Instagram so that you can stay in the know for when her new book comes out. I'll be sure to share it in my stories as well when that is released. I hope that you have a wonderful day. I hope that you have a wonderful week. In the meantime, my dear friend, go get them.